When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Welcome back to Drive with uh, Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company on this Wednesday. Not forgetting, also on Thursday night, Kim Hagdorn joins us in studio. Of course, respected commentator, journalist, and a man that breaks news, uh, and he's already done it so far this season, he'll be in for AFL Team Selections Night tomorrow from 5 here on SENWA. But let's speak to a gentleman who uh, has been a coach. He coached nearly 380 games of football, actually, with three clubs, Sydney Western Bulldogs and the Gold Coast, and, of course, was a 200-plus game player for Hawthorne and, of course, ended his career at the Brisbane Bears. We're talking about Rodney Ede, and he joins us here on SEN WA Drive with Peter Vlahos. Rod, thanks for your time. No worries, Peter. How's things? Oh, very well, thanks. Yeah, interesting. I can't believe the footy season's almost done and dusted. It goes very quickly, doesn't it? It does, and uh, especially uh, for teams who don't get a good start, and then they're on the chase. So uh, uh, we're getting to the finish line pretty quickly. So... um, uh, but it does go on a flash, that's for sure. Yeah, maybe I can ask you that question regarding getting to the finish line. If you look at the top eight, of course, Richmond had a hiccup. Uh, Sydney won last week. Frio now equal with Melbourne and Brisbane. Uh, what are your thoughts on the landscape heading into yeah. the business end of the season? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty tight, isn't it? It's uh, probably the most even season we've uh, we've seen for such a long, long time, and. Uh, uh, probably up to 12 teams. Now Port Adelaide have put themselves back in the mix uh, after a horror start at the you know, 0-5. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty even pretty even season. Even the teams at the top, like Geelong now, have informed, but that can change pretty quickly. So injuries are going to play a major part. Um, but I think it's great for the competition that it is so even. And, um, obviously, your team over there, Peter, is uh, going extremely well, the Dockers, which is great to see. How do you rate Fremantle now with Nat Five playing his best game since his return last week and will probably only get better heading towards the finals? Oh, I think it's a huge bonus, isn't it? And I think um, it's. I think he's been handled extremely well as, as he managed position-wise and whatever, and you wouldn't be surprised first game in the final that he starts in the centre square. I know the young blokes have done a good job but just having such a imposing figure in there. But uh, I just liked his words. Um, I don't know which game it was. Might have been his first game back um, playing at home and he said, you know, he was asking Brayshaw and it's the wrong where to stand. And uh, so it was like that he's not the Messiah. Um, I think he'd still be their best player. But I think... Uh, I think his mindset shows me that he, you know, he's going to be there to assist to get um, team success. And I thought at the weekend they threw him in at the right time, and he actually changed the game. So I think it's a, I think it's an enormous plus for the Dockers. Having a look at the West Coast Eagles now uh, in the game against Carlton, two quarters where they didn't even hit the scoreboard. It was uh, zero zero in the first and final term. 
They kicked seven goals in the second quarter to get back in the game. And, of course, it was a pretty competitive third term. Carlton by two goals to one. But in the end, how does a football club go from not scoring to seven goals in the second term and back in the contest and not scoring in the final term? It was bizarre. We couldn't uh, fathom exactly what was going on. Yeah, I think you used the right word, bizarre. It's like teams can start really well, then just fall away with fitness or whatever, or start pulling and claw their way back in. But having zero as the bookends um, doesn't uh, doesn't make sense. I mean, you can get jumped. That's fine. And, and then they've fought their way back. I think their second quarter showed they've still got a lot of talent there. I mean, they, they played really good footing. Carlton were a good side. And... Uh, but whether Carlton just uh, up the ante and and the Eagles couldn't go with it or whether it's, you know, it is a fitness because they've had a lot of illness and injury and players coming back and maybe collectively, maybe not physically being attuned to it. I'm not, I'm not too sure, but uh, certainly it showed, showed that second quarter and I think they're, you know, they're weak before that. But they've got, still got some talent. They're going to cause some teams some trouble. But I think it was a great win by the Blues. I think it was a bit of a danger game going to Perth, uh, especially with the Eagles getting their players back. But... Uh, Obviously, the season is lost for the Eagles, but I think they're such a proud club, then they're not going to be a side that wants to just fade away and hopefully get second last or last and get a good draft pick. I think they're going to want to win as many games as they can. Interesting, in this morning's West Australian, and Trevor Nisbet, the CEO of the West Coast Eagles, basically has come out and said, hands off, Adam Simpson will be coaching us to the end of his contract. So they're pretty strong in the West Coast Eagles on keeping Simo, even though there's been sort of undercurrents that maybe North Melbourne may make an approach. Can I ask you also about the West Coast Eagles? We saw Josh Kennedy kick his 700th goal for the West Coast Eagles last weekend. Who would have thought after, of course, he reluctantly came back after only playing 22 games for Carlton and kicking 11 goals, that he would become the player he has been for the West Coast. He's been a real warrior, hasn't he, Rod? He has. He's he's been a fantastic player. He um, um, everyone talks about that trade. Who's in front? I don't think it ends up even. I don't. Now, now Judd was a sensational player, but certainly the West Coast Eagles did extremely well out of it also. And uh, he's you know to kick seven hundred goals a great effort. Be the highest goal kicker for the Eagles over their over their time. And um, um, he, he had a great. Knack, you know, he could work up to the wing and uh, take marks, but he had a great knack of kicking goals when the team needed it. And I think some full forwards can get on the end of it and kick ten when they uh, winning easily. But he just had the ability at the right time to end up with a three, four, or five and just kick clutch goals. And uh, I think it's a mark of a very good player. Let's have a look at some of the big events during the course of the week. Uh, they say nine out of ten coaches will experience at some time during their career what happened to David Noble. Your thoughts on it all? And, you know, the day after conducting that press conference yesterday, how would David Noble be feeling today? Oh, he'd be feeling like crap, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it was a pretty tough for him to front up like he did. Like he's handled himself extremely well, even at... Uh, during games and different things, I think he's been quite stoic and uh, uh, projected a, a very good image. Um, uh, but it's tough. I mean, unfortunately, it is a win-loss industry, and they didn't give him a lot of time. I mean, one and a half years or nearly two years is not a lot of time, really, when you've raised the earth and uh, uh, got rid of all your experienced players and you've only got kids, even though the pre- 
former president said, "Oh, we'll be playing, we'll, you know, we'll be challenging in three years' time," which is which is um, pie in the sky stuff. So, um, look, I don't know, you know, the machinations behind and what's going on. You hear rumours and all that, and I'm sort of always on the coach's side, but he certainly didn't get a lot of time. But it probably, well, once all the noise starts. Um, it's just consistent that eventually the coach goes and uh, there's been a lot of noise around it. Uh, they had their best performance on the weekend or second best performance on the weekend and he goes. So it is unfortunate. Um, unfortunate, as we all know, the coach, it's the easiest one to get rid of because then everyone starts afresh and you know, it's probably the best decision in the end because I don't think he could really get above what was happening as, as far as I think he was getting downtrodden by the media and all the noise. Um, it was just unfortunate for him. Mm, saying that, if you were the decision maker, do they need someone that's very experienced and very wise or can they go maybe to the next tier and look at a, a rebuilding coach or someone that's got a bit of a critique or a CV when it comes to developing players? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't think since the great John Kennedy they haven't had a first-year coach. So, um, so it's 1980, whatever it was, 85, mm. whatever it was. Um, not that that's going to make, make a decision. I think they will probably go for an experienced coach. They, An idea could be, you could couple both, is uh, get an experienced coach, try and, more importantly, is get the best development person around and... Because development, I think, is more important than recruiting now. I think what you've what you've got on your deck is develop them mentally, help, try and improve them as quickly as possible. I think that's your most important thing. They could even go an experienced coach and have an handover that learns his trade. And that's it. I know it's a difficult situation at the moment, but it's got a bit of development bent, but can learn the, the ropes as well. So it's interesting times for the Kangas, but I really got a feeling they'll go for an experienced coach. We'll try to. Uh, right, of course, the other talking point during the week, and, you know, Jack Ginnivan and we've even seen Luke Shuey about the ducking situation uh, and a lot of conjecture on how the umpire should interpret that. Should it be a free kick if a player ducks? Because these days they often duck, get taken high, and, of course, they win the free kick. Uh, and we know that the concussion protocol is top of mind for the AFL these days. What do you see is the best way forward? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Peter. I, I think they've brought the rules in for the Selwood um, situation. I, I think if you contribute, contri- the player with the ball contributes to the high tackle, it's not a free kick. Like if they duck into it, um, if they cause the action. So I suppose Ginnivan's taken to a different level. I think he lowers his body and starts low more than what Selwood did. Selwood was actually take the tackler on and then shrug through strength. Um, and get a, a, quite a few free kicks. I think I think Genevan does both, but I think all power to him. It, you still got to protect the ball player. We can talk about okay, is he contributing to it? Does he lower his body? Whatever, but it's still cognizant on the or up to the tackler to tackle correctly. So you still got to protect with Genevan in this case. You still got to protect him if he's got the ball. He's prepared to win the ball, so he's gone searching for it, but. Again, we're going to make it more difficult for the umpires. He's got to decide now, has he dropped his body? Has Does the tackler first point of contact on the arm or the shoulder and not around the neck, and then he's thrown his shoulder up and contributed? So it's a lot for the umpire to take in. It's a really tough one. And 
be interested to see where they where they take it. So, as is the same with the uh, with the concussion. I mean, he could contribute to his own concussion by taking so many knocks around the head. I suppose as as Selwood could over his career. So, I don't think they can really outlaw that. But they've got to protect the player first. But then. Obviously, be aware that if he contributes to it, I don't think it's a free kick. Mm. And as we let you go, of course, a proud Tasmanian by birth. And last time I spoke to you, of course, the Tasmanian AFL team was in some ways top of the agenda. There will be a decision made before the season's out or the year's out, I believe. Have you heard any more there in the, the heartland on where it all sits? No, I haven't. I haven't heard anything. I've got a, I've got a feeling that they'll get a kick. Um I don't think they can afford not to, to be honest. Um, I, but I think it'll be a 19th team. They're not going to relocate any side. No team's going to want to go in Tasmania. They don't want a team to relocate. So um, I think uh, a 19th team, I think uh, they'll get the, the tick for licence in, in how many years, from three or four, they start a team up. I'm not too sure. I think they need to. I think it has been heartland. I think if they don't, the legacy will be of McLaughlin and the AFL that, that won't be Heartland anymore. It'll go to basketball and soccer, um, which will be a real shame. So um, hopefully, and I think I've got a feeling the AFL want want the team in. It's just how how it looks and whatever. And people, you know, presidents are saying, not only the financial model, I think the financial model will be okay because uh, the government are going to sponsor it each year for $10 million. Like there's five major sponsors. Um, but is the players, the, is the dilution of uh, players? Uh, I think there's too many players on this now. So if... We make the list 35 instead of 40, or 38 instead, or 36 instead of 38. Everyone gives up two players on the list. That's that's equivalent to what Tassie going to have. So it's exactly the same amount of players. So there's, mm. I think there's ways around about every every complaint about having a Tasmanian team in. Uh, love talking to you, Rocket. Uh, you make a lot of sense. Uh, you're a very astute man when it comes to AFL footy. Thanks for spending a few moments with us uh, here on the program this evening, and and we'll keep in touch. No worries, Peter. Great to chat. Gee, makes a lot of sense. Great to have him on the program. Rodney Eads, uh, every now and then I invite him to join us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Toolmart, the complete uh, tool centre, and certainly gave us a nice little spin on some of the major issues during the course of the week, being David Noble being sacked and, of course, uh, the ducking ruling on the back end of certainly some of the players uh, exposing their bodies to maybe serious injury and how it should be interpreted. Uh, thanks, Rodney Eat, for your time. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we will speak to one of the new additions to the Perth Glory Squad. They started training this week, and this gentleman had his two other brothers also go through the Perth Glory ranks. I'll introduce you to him after this here on Drive with Peter Vlahos.